0: the podcast where i take a look at the photography news from the past month and i also take a look at some fantastic web links some nice juicy photography web links featuring some of the best photography that i've seen this month and um, we start with the news some copyright news um this was an interesting story that came out round about the middle of September and it regards a fashion photographer called Lara Jade. Uh, She's a British fashion photographer. She's been up and coming for about the last three years, something like that. And she won in a Florida court $130,000 in damages after a pornographic company stole One of her photographs, it was a self-portrait that she'd taken of herself when she was about 17. Very tastefully done. She was in a formal dress and a top hat and was sitting in front of a window. Very nice picture. But they went and borrowed it to put it on a rather dubiously titled film called Body Magic. And, of course, Lara didn't like this. Um... After 3 years of an ongoing court case, the judge finally came out in favor of Lara and awarded her $130,000 in damages. The you know, the internet was absolutely Full of oh, this is a victory for photographers and copyright, etc., which indeed it is, but one of the aspects that I thought that they didn't mention is the fact that although Lara won one hundred and thirty thousand dollars in damages, she actually gained a lot more than that. She managed to get a lot of promotion uh, she managed to get a lot of people to hear about her name, which is certainly very important for a photographer and especially a fashion photographer. When you are starting out, um, I mean, it must have been absolutely mind blowing. I remember what it was like being a photography student when I was about 19 or 20, and quite frankly, being thrust into the public spotlight like that must have been quite intense. But uh, she has certainly managed to get a lot of publicity about this case. Her name is out there, and she's been used, and she's on the way to becoming a very successful professional photographer. So I would actually argue that although she got a substantial amount in dollars in damages she also got a substantial amount of publicity that money can't buy and that's very important for a young photographer starting out Ooh, this next one this next one caused quite a response on twitter um it's a rather interesting topic it's rather out of my field because it's it's I don't know, I don't really know what I actually think about it but um, as usual I will post the link to this site and all the others that I mention um, this dealt with, this link dealt with when does art become voyeurism and you know what happens when a private moment is made public and it, it was to do with an intimate portrait of a, a photographer's wife he'd taken it uh, it looks as though it was taken when they were on holiday or something. Something like that. But anyway, um, the picture, if you look at it, from one half looks perfectly, you know, tame. Almost looks like a, a, a holiday photo. But when you actually click on it, well, I won't tell you what happens when you click on it, but um, you will find out for yourself. But let's let's put it this way. If you are easily offended, don't click on the link. Okay, it's as simple as that. Let's put it this way. She's um, nude from the waist down, or almost nude from the waist down. And this was a picture that was submitted to a photographic portrait prize. Now, there was a couple of interesting things that that came up in the conversations uh, that I had with various different people about this. Certainly one of them was... uh, It was going to be interesting how the National Portrait Gallery displayed the image uh, when they exhibit uh, these pictures that were taking part in the the portrait competition when they exhibit them in November. It's going to be very tricky Um, if they crop it, they're going to be criticised. If they show it completely, they're going to be criticised. A lot of the other images dealt with various of the different things like prostitution. Uh, I think that was I think that was Philadelphia. I think that was, um, it was somewhere. It was somewhere like that. Yes, Philadelphia, streets of Philadelphia, prostitution on the streets of Philadelphia. There was a fantastic shot of two girls who were working to fund their drug addiction. Tragic picture, and there was another image that you know, was was quite unsettling in a way. It was a photograph of a fourteen year old girl, an American girl, hunting in South Africa and she's got this uh dead I can't quite make out what it is, but caribou, something like that. It's um you know, it's it's quite um an unnerving picture in a way to see a fourteen year old do that. But of course, you know, there's all sorts of fourteen year olds in the world, isn't there? Um and if you're old enough to hunt, you're old enough to hunt, I suppose, but it is quite a disturbing image. The one that actually won the competition was a image of a young girl, and it was all to do with self esteem and being obese and things like that. So I actually think probably the best image won out of out of a lot of them to be honest portrait wise they weren't they, they were good, but they weren't what I would say the best portrait images that you could go out and see it will, it would be interesting to have a wander around and have a look at the 60 submitted portraits and just see whether you would pick another one out it's a problem with competitions it's all about opinion uh, and often I don't agree with them ok it's photography web links time and the first one I'm going to give you is about the UK election that took place back in May. There was a official artist for it and his name was Simon Roberts and he went around with his four camera and he photographed the scenes. It didn't matter which political party it was or where it was in the, the country. He even did the smaller parties and the independent candidates. He was... A very, very busy individual during that time, and he took around about sixteen hundred pictures on his five four camera. It's a very fascinating viewpoint that he takes for these images they're to me they're sort of like how the election um affected the the landscape so he he's off he often concentrates on the activity on a road rather than on an individual, so they're they're almost like paintings in a way. Um, You can look at them and you can notice different things, the way that people are standing, or the different expressions, or the way that the landscape is, various different quirky things um, stand out when you take a a good strong look at just one photo, and there's, there's absolutely loads and loads and loads of pictures on the website, so you will just have to have a look there, it's a real, real well, just a brilliant project, really. Uh, I'm in awe, quite honestly. Um, it is being exhibited at the House of Commons at the moment, but you have to make an appointment. You can do that through the website, which, like I said, is theelectionproject.co.uk. Um, you know, I don't particularly think it's the best way of showing the work, but I suppose the House of Commons, you know, really. It's quite a good location for it. So if you are in London, have a look at the website, make an appointment, and you can go along and visit. The next web link is slightly different. It's by a French photographer called Christophe Argot. It's called Face or Silence. I do hope my French managed to uh, withstand the strain of that. Um, What the photographer went and did was he went and photographed... In an area that was familiar to him, it was actually brought up in the area. It was the Forez region of France. Uh, what he refers to as one of France's best kept secrets. And what he did was he photographed the farmers who worked in that area. Um, and quite honestly, the, the pictures that he created were absolutely, well, just stunning really. I can't remember how I came across his work. I think it was on a photography blog somewhere, but it really didn't do justice to the work. He has, you know, a number of pictures just covering the um, the emotions and the way of life uh, that these farmers live in that area. And you know, it does look pretty run down. It looks a a pretty tough existence. I'll, I'll put it that way. But the pictures are, are lovingly made. He's obviously got a great respect for the people. Um, the only complaint I would actually have is the website. The website isn't that easy to uh, to manage. And also the uh, downloading of the pictures can sometimes be a bit slow. But have a bit of patience. When the pictures do come, they, they really do tell a fascinating story... They're a, a great example of how photography can capture people, and you know, just show the way that they live. I don't think there's 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 very many photographers now who take an ordinary subject, the way that people just live. I think there's an awful lot of um, there's an awful lot of photographers who go out there and think that they have to travel, you know, to uh, Somalia or somewhere like that to photograph someone someone in their everyday life it's got to be exciting and it's got to be brutal and it doesn't necessarily have to be that far away it can be you know your next door neighbour even or 10 miles away from your doorstep and what I thought was fantastic was was that he was visiting somewhere that he'd been brought up uh, in he'd, he'd, he'd lived there so he knew the people he knew the way that they lived And that certainly comes across, that knowledge comes across in the pictures. Fantastic set of images. That can be found at christopheargo.com. I will put a link on to the website and you can check that out. Because I'm not going to go through spelling that. Because my French is absolutely dreadful probably. But have a look on the website and you will find the link there. Keith Patterson's No Redemption is very similar to a certain extent to the last link that i gave you apart from it's set 25 years ago during the miners strike the photographer spent six months at the height of the miners strike documenting the durham village of easington easington like a lot of mining villages towns uh, was built around the mine and they realized perfectly well that if the mine closed then the community was basically finished Patterson's work was shot in black and white unlike uh, the last photographers uh, work that I was talking about um you know and it really really does capture the 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 time perfectly there's photographs of arrests there's photographs of the community cohesion there's photographs of people who were involved in it it's a, a fantastic documentary piece of the time I can remember talking to my photography lecturer many years ago about the miners' strike. He was based in South Wales, that's where he was uh, from, and it was something that he never photographed, mainly because it was such a bitter and protracted fight that it did become very unpleasant. In fact a lot of the ramifications of the miners' strike are still with us today, communities not speaking to each other because of the sides that they chose this book is a fantastic piece of history but it's also a fantastic bit of photography documenting the community and I'd certainly recommend you have a look. Okay then this final link is about a Mexican suitcase and of course a lot of you listening to this podcast will know that I'm talking about the suitcase that belonged to Robert Kappa. It was believed to have gone missing when the Germans invaded Paris uh, but it turned up in Mexico City It contained 4,500 negatives, uh, with images by Robert Capper, Gerda Taro, who was Robert Capper's girlfriend at the time, tragically killed in 1937. And certainly a big influence on his early work and his life. Um, A lot of people say that he never really recovered from her death. Um, how a film has never been made of that story yet, I just do not know. I do believe that they're thinking about making it. It'll be very interesting to see who they pick for Robert Kappa. But as a love story goes, it's it's quite remarkable. Um, The other photographer who was also represented in the suitcase was David Seymour, David Shim Seymour. And he was one of the establishing figures of magnum photos so it's a very very important collection of work in that suitcase you know it's like the holy grail really coming across that for photographers it's produced a massive body of work and the BBC photo blog called viewfinder i would certainly recommend that you check it out it has some great posts uh... they've done a brilliant piece about this mexican suitcase And there's links galore, there are photos, there are links to the various different uh, stories behind the negatives and you can also find out about the process used to digitise and rescue the collection. So it's a brilliant place if you are interested in any of that work, any of the Spanish Civil War work done by those three photographers then I would certainly recommend that you check it out. Ooh, well, next month, I am escaping the studio for the podcast. I will be down in Cornwall. It's an awful long way from North Yorkshire, I can tell you. It's about eight hours on a British train, although that's not really a measurement that you can judge anything by. Uh, the train could be going really slow, couldn't it? And I wouldn't be surprised if it's a British train. But I will be down there from about the middle of October, and I'm hoping to put together a few short little outdoor podcasts as i just explore certain areas there's lovely little harbors down there and various other different places to visit lands end i'll actually be able to see the atlantic there's all sorts of things i'll i'll be podcasting about and i'll put them together in a sort of outside broadcast podcast and i'll also do the usual links and photography news bit as well so i should be Quite an interesting experiment. This will be the first podcast where I've been out and about and I've used this system. I've tested it. It seems as though it's pretty good and the audio quality will be pretty good. Although I don't think it will be quite as good as it is here. But it won't be that far off. So the quality will still be there. It's just going to be interesting what I'm going to be able to find. It's as simple as that. It's an interesting experiment. It would have been great to do it on video, but I've only got a certain amount of stuff that I can carry, and also I haven't got the video equipment anyway, so that's beside the point, isn't it? Anyway, that will be next month. So next month will be coming from Cornwall, so I hope you will join me then. We are in the final stages of this month's podcast. Just a couple of things to mention just before I go. The first one is, if you're a new subscriber, welcome, I hope you enjoy these podcasts, thanks for taking the time for downloading them. The second thing is, you may have noticed that the music has changed, that's really just to keep all the production of the podcast in-house, and, you know, it's a lot easier for copyright issues. The last piece of music was copyright free, it was designed to be used in the podcast, but I lost the link to the music website that I got it from, and if anybody queried it, you know, it'd be fairly difficult to prove that it was copyright free without an awful lot of work, so I thought it'd be far better if I was uh, able to record something myself. I recorded it on an iPhone of all things, I've got, you know, hundreds of pounds worth of studio software and things, and I end up recording it on my mobile phone. But I was on the move, so I do have a good excuse. And also the software that I was using, which was called Nano Studio, which is available in iTunes, I mean, it's a fantastic piece of kit for any musician on the move. Uh, And it works, and it sounds great as well. Right, that's it for the September podcast, folks. I hope you will join me next month when I'll be broadcasting all the way from Cornwall, of course. That should be a fascinating uh, listen, I would imagine. I'm hoping to pack in a whole lot of things That's it for the podcast. See you next month in Cornwall. If you want to subscribe to the podcast or you want some more information or you just want to listen to some of the earlier podcasts that i made then there is a page dedicated to that and you can find that at richardflintphoto.com forward slash html forward slash podcasts